I'm Gabby Hi, I'm Emily Fennigan. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. Hi, this is Holly Evans. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. <laughs> This is episode 14, and I'm about to catch up with South Australian cricketer Nick Winter, who is one of the best swing bowlers in the country. Originally from Canberra, Nick made his first-class debut for the Redbacks in 2018 and immediately made an impression with his uncanny ability to make the Dukes cricket ball not only swing, but sing. He took 34 wickets in just his first five matches to leap from fringe domestic player and into the conversation for international duty. He boasts plenty more strings to his bow than what you'd expect, though, from the stereotype fast bowler. Thoughtful and intelligent, Winter is a leader in conversations surrounding mental health. It's a vital ingredient in a sport where mental health challenges at the elite level have been broadly recognised over the last few years. Nick Winter joins me next. Hi, I'm Michelle Wilson from Adelaide University Sport, and you're on Hooked on Sport. Nick Winter, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, Nick, uh, this is quite nice for me. I, I feel a little bit of a connection. Both of us lefties, left-hand batter, left-hand bowler. Yeah, I don't know about the uh, batting. I struggle with that. But yeah, left-arm bowler, so swing bowler, try and take wickets early, um, like yourself, yeah. I, uh, I I struggled as a batter too, but trouble. my problem was I was a batter. I didn't have anything else to fall back on, Nick. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that's, um, that's not good. <laughs> uh, very quickly, mate, I, I, my understanding is you've had some uh, recovering from surgery uh, at the end of the cricket season. How's that all coming, taking shape? Yeah, I did. I had surgery on my ankle at the end of the season, as um, all cricketers do, a bit of wear and tear. So, yeah, got through that. It's been six and a half weeks now. So, um, still moving around the house nicely, but no running or jumping or anything of significant um, body weight, I guess. So, um, yeah, just doing my daily rehab. Most of the boys are fighting a pit and doing what they can in isolation, which is always tough. But, um, yeah, I feel good mentally. It's a nice little break for us. How has life uh, been for you in general? I would uh, imagine you probably had plans to go back to England. You've also got family in Canberra, I believe. So I imagine you've been missing perhaps out on both of those opportunities. That's yeah, a good, good question. Life's actually been really tough. Uh, one thing that people don't know is that I was supposed to get married in um, April. So oh. April 19th was my wedding date. That was obviously postponed with um, the government regulations, which is not nothing that I guess we can deal with. I remember the day I had surgery was the day that they announced it would go from 100 people down to I think it was five or 10 per social gathering. So um, it was a pretty bad day, that one, where I had my surgery and had to tell my partner that no longer. Um, like you said, yeah, I did have plans to probably go back to England. I had a really good year there last year, just um, a bit of life experience and some really good cricket experience as well. So that was off the cards as well. And yeah, like you said, no family um, for both myself or Laura, my partner in Adelaide. So it has been tough, but I mean, you know, we're still, she's still got a job and working and I'm still here um, fit and healthy. So there's nothing I can complain about when I know other people are doing it more tough. Nick, have you and Laura been able to reschedule the wedding? Yeah, it's, a cricketer's a cricketer's schedule is quite unique. So we generally only get April and May off. Um, by the time you're either finishing a season or starting a season, and obviously over Chris, uh, sorry the summer months, 
when you'd probably like to have an outdoor wedding, you can't do that because we'll be on the road or playing a game somewhere. So we are looking at April in 2021. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge until we can lock in dates. Um, there's a lot of people who are postponing as well. So it is, it's actually quite a little bit of a um, competition to get the date you want in April, but we'll have a look and see what happens. You, you said it has been tough, and I can only imagine the challenges that you've <laughs> had to endure. I mean, there's some you know, some significant life-changing decisions you've had to make. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, you've tried to put in place? And I know you are very astute with uh, recognising the signs of uh, mental health challenges. Uh, what are some of the things that you've put in place just to make sure your own mental health is in good shape? Yeah, that's a good thing. I think mental health is massive in cricket at the moment. We've seen a lot of high-profile players have to step away from the game. So uh, taking priority of your mental health, especially now, I guess has come to the forefront for most athletes, including myself. Uh, I've, I've been quite good with my study over the last few years. I finished the degree and I started a um, graduate certificate in business administration. Unfortunately, um, with the wedding and potentially England and whatnot, I, I deferred this this semester without um, before knowing what was going to happen. So I don't have any study to fall back on where I, I probably would have liked to study through this gap, but um, there's forever housework to be done, mm-hmm. um, which is um, that's keeping me occupied. And I actually quite like my reading. So I've been reading a few sort of sports autobiographies and military autobiographies just to um, get some healthy tips and information off people who have been to the top and succeeded in their separate industries. Oh, there's a. Let's segue into that very quickly. Um, give us perhaps one book that people wouldn't maybe have thought to read. Not necessarily the most famous person, but you think you really yep. got something out of. Yeah, it's a guy called Ant Middleton. I, when I was in the UK, there was a show called SAS Who Dares Wins, and it's basically just getting some um, people to try out the some of the courses and exercises that the SAS people go through to get selection. Um, Ant Middleton was. Uh, in the UK, um, British Special Services, and he just brought out a book called First Man In. So I read it um, the, a few weeks ago after seeing it in the bookstore. It's really good. It just talks about pretty much mental strength, um, the ability to battle your own demons, and I guess just little aspects of courage that I, you know, when I see a phrase that I like, I highlight it, write it into my journal, and then that way I've got it for future reference and I can apply it to my own scenarios. Okay, well, I'm. I'll, I'll just go back over that point again. You actually read through books and then take notes and put them in a journal. Now, for an elite athlete, and there'll be other up-and-coming elite athletes uh, perhaps listening to this, just explain that process and where you learnt that. Uh, yeah, I guess um, I, I like to remember the good things and the things that I think will help me. I think sport in itself is such a mental and physical battle, but... Um, yeah, you want to give yourself the best chance. And I think the mental aspect of that has come so much into the forefront of elite sport over the last few years. We've got um, yoga. We have um, sessions with, I guess, specialist psychs to work on our mental strength and ability. So it just, I guess, correlates into that, just finding out some techniques or ways of thinking that can help me benefit as a player, Um, especially in cricket, obviously, cricket there's a lot of standing around thinking time in between deliveries so uh it's actually referred to as 10 percent skill and 90 percent cricket uh, sorry 90 percent mental sometimes for the cricket side of things so um yeah my process like i said it's just 
you know, I'll read probably a book and have maybe 10 to 15 sections that I'll, you know, write down in my phone or highlight on the page and then I'll go back through, copy them into my journal and then that way I've got a few future reference if I want to flick back and, um, yeah, see what I thought was good and what applies to me. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. The present situation can increase our anxiety, which is completely normal and understandable. To try and reduce some of this anxiety by practicing our breathing or deep muscle relaxation techniques, maybe some mindfulness or even dancing, singing, or maybe even yoga. And now back to the show. I'm interested in um, Adelaide University and the sports community there. I, I, I use the word amateurism. It sort of embraces the great uh, culture of, uh, of amateurism, if you like. Just tell us a bit about your involvement with the club there. Yeah, I moved to Adelaide Uni three seasons ago. So I, I moved from Tea Tree Gully. I lost my Redbacks contract for one year. So I had a pretty bad year um, as a rookie with injuries. Uh, I was studying at Adelaide Uni. I, you know, I'd seen the cricket ground. That's obviously very beautiful with the cathedral and Adelaide Oval in the background. And I just thought it would be better if I tied in all of my activities into one spot, even with training at Adelaide Oval. I didn't really know much at the time about how the whole Adelaide Uni sport works, but I've been really grateful since then um, to be a part of it. It's been a really good, I think the word sort of club is, is a good word to sum it up. I think all the sports tie in really nicely with each other. Um, there's a lot of cross, uh, so cross correlation between codes, you know, a lot of footy boys get along and then play cricket with each other in the summer. And um, I've just been to a few of the events over the last few years, the blues awards. I was very honored to get a blue back in 2018. Um, and just a few certain events where you see other people's stories, other athletes' stories, and you can really bounce off each other and get um, a lot of feedback um, from other athletes your age who have been through hardships or who are studying at the same time and understand what you're going through. So it's been a really good journey, and I've really enjoyed the um, Adelaide Uni sport. Uh, my, my father's got a blue from Adelaide yeah. University. He played cricket there in uh, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, I think no. it might have been 68, 69, his blue. So his has got a fair yeah. bit more dust on it than yours, yeah. Nick. <laughs> Nick, you studied uh, international studies. Um, yeah. Uh, has that given you perhaps a, a, a greater depth of understanding of, of what's been going on over the last couple of months around the globe? And you perhaps can uh, sense the challenges that some of the perhaps more densely populated parts of the world have, have had to endure? Yeah, I have. I think uh, originally the degree, I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do. Um, I wanted to come, uh, obviously moving from Canberra to Adelaide at 19 with no family or network. It was pretty important to get something behind me. I obviously understood and was really honoured to get a rookie contract at that stage, but I had no idea how long that would last. So I wanted to get something down. International studies took me de entry because I came in uh, to Adelaide at June and it was a really good degree. It was quite up to date, very political um, based. And yeah, like you said, it just gave you, even just studying in general, it gives you that understanding of what's going on, what's relevant, how are people thinking and acting around the world. Um, and yeah, it gives you a really good understanding of, I guess, today's global politics. I'm, I'm also studying a, like I said, a, a business admin. Um, postgraduate course as well at the moment that's that's with Griffith University as they do fully online and I started while I was in the UK 
Um, that's also been really good just to keep me up to date with, you know, how businesses are coping during this period. It's obviously very straining on, you know, a lot of employees um, and employers for that matter. And yeah, it's just, it's given you, given myself a fresh perspective of this whole period. Will you go back to England this year? I, I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to. We The club I played for, Brentwood, it was, they won their first title in about, I think it was 15 or 20 years last year when I was there. So it was a really good achievement for us. I had a really good time, um, performed pretty well, and the, the people were really nice. And, uh, yeah, you get to miss pre-season, so ticking <laughs> every box. I noticed that Essex League only announced in the last couple of days that they're planning to start in July. So is that a possibility for you to play maybe half a season there? No, I, wouldn't. No, I don't think so now. The, the the period around sort of April, May, June is the best period for uh, Australian athletes to go across. By the time it hits July, August, you're pretty much winding it down and getting ready to focus on um, South Australian duties. So I think if it does kick off, hopefully, fingers crossed, in July, it'll probably be a little bit too late. But it's something that I'll definitely look to maybe do once more because it is, yeah, like I said, it's such a good experience. You you still have the pressure of performing because you're the overseas pro and people expect you to win games. But then during the week, you can you know jump on a one-hour plane and you're in Spain for a week. So, yeah, it's a pretty nice experience. Uh, Nick, you're uh, perhaps... One athlete who has a, a more acute understanding of mental health, just practically, what are some of the things that you've made a bit of an effort to do just to stay in contact with teammates or or family and friends, just to make sure that uh, not just yourself, but your, your mates, your colleagues, uh, the people that you play your cricket with uh, are in the right space as well? It's a really good question because uh, there's a few coping mechanisms that a few boys have taken which would actually take us off social media so myself personally I don't have Facebook um, and a few other things because that's actually one of the mechanisms I've used to get away for the mental health stuff there's a lot of um, negative criticism and feedback as an athlete on you know especially on Redback's posts for example so by removing yourself off that you are protecting yourself um, from some potential mental health challenges I guess the downside of that is you do miss a bit of that social activity and a lot of people are online users at the moment with everything they do. Um, I guess for me and a lot of the boys, we have a group chat where, you know, people are putting up their um, daily activities or their daily workouts or just generally checking in with each other. I know um, Tim Nielsen's made a conscious effort to get in touch with most boys and to see how they're going. And then uh, just day to day, a couple of times I've been getting out going on my bike, which is the only activity I can really do. So, Occasionally, I try and ride around to other boys' houses and see how they're going and surprise them in the front yard. Um, or uh, Frankie Worrell, Daniel Worrell, has a decent little gym set up in his garage. So I've been there a couple of times and checked in with him. And I know a few other boys float around um, to do their one-on-one, 1.5-metre social distancing gym routine. So it's been good. I can't let this interview wrap up without asking how Wilfred's dealing with all of this. <laughs> There, I've got two dogs. So Wilfred, Wilfred's my baby boy Ridgeback. So he's only 18 months old, but um, he's actually loving it because it means his dad's home every day. Um, <laughs> normally, I'd be out of the house or potentially in England. So uh, I guess the downside downside to isolation in Hull is the pets have their humans um, at home pretty much all day, so they're loving it. Nick, it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, you've had an incredibly difficult uh, last couple of months. Hopefully for you, uh, things on what and upward, you can get that ankle right and uh, uh, 
have a, a, a very uh, fulfilling summer uh, next year with the South Australian Redbacks. Cool. Thank you very much for having me. Ben, cheers. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. So what an admirable character Nick is. Extremely well-rounded for someone still just in his mid-twenties. So that is the final In Swinging Yorker on episode 14. As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So feel free to shoot us a note and let us know how your club is traveling as we prepare for the return to sport. Thanks to Ben Watson, who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's producers, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. Be kind to one another. We'll see you soon at Hooked on Sport. Oh, <laughs>